welcome to Psych Minds and Behavior Change with me, your host, Nicole Plumridge. Do you wonder why people behave the way that they do? Does human behavior baffle you? Well, I'm a board-certified behavior analyst and have worked in the Applied Behavior Analysis field, or ABA, for the past 10 years. While my work has mainly been with individuals with learning difficulties, autism, behavioral challenges, the principles of behavior relate to everyone. So if you're interested in cultivating a deeper understanding of human behavior, just keep listening. Hello, and welcome back to Psych Minds and Behavior Change. It has been a while since I have recorded an episode. Things have just become very busy in life, and unfortunately, podcasting has taken a bit of a the back burner. I guess you could say, but I have missed it and I really do want to get into posting episodes a bit more frequently, but yes, it has, I have taken a bit of a break from it for a while, but as I said, I do want to get back into it and I had started off a series about how to work with a client from start to finish and I want to get back into that. So we've only done one episode so far in this little series over here, and that was basically the initial what you do when a client is coming to you and seeing if you're the right fit for services for their child. So in this episode, I want to talk about what we do as BCBAs, as ABA professionals, after we've done the initial assessment, the initial intake, and we've decided that our services are appropriate for this client. So what do we do from there? How do we work with the parent? How do we work with the child? Um, Those are some of the things that I'll be addressing in this episode. So with the basics in place, the basic form, the intake, now We've reached the point where the client is about to start services and the most important thing to focus on for the first week, even the first two weeks, is actually just building rapport with the client. So a lot of times therapists, parents, everyone's kind of very keen to just jump in and start throwing in the programs, throwing in the skills, teaching this, building that, reducing that, where actually it's important just to focus on the type of relationship that you're going to cultivate between yourself as a therapist and the client. And all the other stuff will come after that. So after you have a solid foundation in place, a solid relationship built, you have trust between yourself and the client, after that's established, then you would go into all the skill building, the behavior reduction, all the things that we want to, you know, get started with. But it is important to focus on the relationship first, as that's going to set the tone for everything else that comes. So as I said, this would be for the first couple of weeks. It's important to pair yourself. So again, if you're the therapist working with the client, it's important to pair yourself with reinforcement. Now, what does that mean? That basically means that you will be with the client for your one, two, three hour session, whatever it is. And during that session, you're not going to be placing loads of demands. You're not going to be telling the child to do this, do that, 
clap your hands, write your name. Demands are going to be minimal for those first couple of weeks. And again, that's because we want to make sure that the child thinks of us as something fun, something reinforcing. They're going to basically, you know, enjoy our company, enjoy our presence. It's not going to be something aversive. They're not going to be, you know, dragged off to their ABA session, kind of kicking and screaming, saying, I don't want to go. They're going to come willingly. And I actually had a funny kind of experience with this where I was going to a client's house. This is this was after a few sessions where I paired myself with reinforcement when I thought things were going well and that we developed a good relationship. When I arrived at the house, his mother told the child, oh, you know, your teacher's here. And then the child immediately started screaming, saying, no, tell her, go away, all these things. And then when I stepped into the room, he said, oh, it's Miss Nicole. And he was so, so happy to see me. And we immediately started playing. And I asked the mom about this, like, is there someone else who comes to work with him? And apparently the answer was yes. He has another teacher who does come and work with him on other skills. And all I can kind of imagine from here was that perhaps that teacher didn't pair herself with reinforcement because that reaction was so strong from this kid saying, no, no, no. And he was running to the other end of the room. But then when he saw it was me, he was perfectly happy to come and sit with me. And it's not because I have some, you know, magic touch or anything with kids. It's simply because for that first week or two, I simply paired myself with reinforcement. I wanted him to think of me as a positive addition to his environment, essentially. And it's also important for us, again, not to just dive right in with the teaching, the skills, the this, the that, but it's important to get to know each other. So the client needs to get to know who you are and get to know your style and the way you speak and the the way you deliver, you know, a few demands here and there, the way you deliver the reinforcement, and you have to get to know the client. So during these first couple of weeks, What's really important is for you to establish what are the client's preferences? What are their reinforcers? And of course, we already have an idea of this because parents have told us, we observed a little bit in the intake, but now it's time for you to do the observations, for you to also test different things. So because, you know, you probably have experience working with other kids, you might be able to think of reinforcers and think of toys and activities that perhaps parents simply have not tried. So it's up to you to bring in those toys, ask parents, you know, if this is a home-based session to perhaps buy a couple of different types of toys and uh, test those out. See if the child enjoys them, if they interact and take note. So it's important not to just think, oh, I'll remember that for next session. I'll remember he liked the squishy toy or the colors. Write all these things down, especially if you're not the only therapist who's going to be working with the kid. If there's other therapists who are coming in, then it's important for you to note down the things that you've observed that the child likes so that they can also benefit from that information and also work on establishing their rapport and their relationship with the the child. So have your reinforcer checklists, do your preference assessments, So you can even kind of compare different items, see which items the child will gravitate to more. And based off of that, you can even rank those items. So, okay, these are very highly preferred items. 
These are things that the child will gravitate towards a lot and spend a lot of time on. These, this group of items, these are the moderately preferred. So let's say the client sometimes approaches those items and plays for a moderate amount of time. And then you can even have a list of low preferred items where you know that the client doesn't approach these things. It's also important to keep in mind that preferences change. So a lot of the times we get very fixated and, and we get fixed on the idea of, okay, the, cl- the client likes X, Y, and Z, written that down, that's it. But what you can do that will actually benefit you and the client more would be to write down the preferences that you've noted and perhaps next to that in the margins, wherever, also write the date where you've done these observations. And it would benefit you to do these more kind of formal preference assessments or reinforcer assessments every month or even more frequently every couple of weeks just to establish that these are still highly preferred items. These are still moderately preferred items because like our preferences change, the client's preferences also change. So it's important for us to remember that. And another reason why it's important for us not to just dive right in eager to start all the programming is because, as I believe I've mentioned in other episodes, what is important is it's important to track major changes in the child's life. So as behavior analysts, we take data on everything and we graph that data. And whenever there's a change in the child's life, let's say they moved house or they moved school or they, you know, have a baby brother now, these things get noted as phase lines on the graphs so that we can see that when this event occurred, there's either a spike in behavior, there might be a reduction in behavior, or there might be no change in behavior at all. It's important for us to realize that we are also a change. We are an addition to their environment and a huge one at that because we are here now, we're teaching them, we're in their space or they're in our space if it's in the clinic. It's a huge change. So just as we expect their behavior to oscillate a little bit, either go up, go down, after other life changes, we are also that life change. So those first couple of weeks where they're in their ABA sessions, their behavior may not even be typical of their average behavior. So it may be a bit pointless for us to immediately dive in to start taking data and to start recording how well they're doing, start tracking their behaviors, It's basically too early because the behavior that we see may not be typical of their behavior due to the change that they've recently experienced with starting ABA sessions. So again, when it comes to programming, tracking behavior, all of this stuff would typically come after the first couple of weeks of therapy. And it's very important to explain this to teachers and to explain this to parents because Again, it can be frustrating. They've started therapy. People expect changes quickly a lot of the time. But it's important to lay those foundations to set the tone of the relationship and set everything, the client, yourself, up for success. Hopefully, some of this was useful. Let me know if you had any kind of like light bulb moments here and uh, how you may integrate this into your practice. So basically, I'll just recap everything that I mentioned, which is it's important to establish rapport with the child, pair yourself with reinforcement, 
make sure you spend time getting to know each other and doing your reinforcer assessments, your preference assessments, taking notes, dating those notes, and trying out different motivational items. And um, it's also important to perhaps take some data on the behaviors that you do observe. So if you do observe some maladaptive behaviors, you can take some general data. We call it ABC data, which stands for antecedent behavior and consequence. So let's say if you said, oh, come over here and let's play or something, perhaps when they heard you say, come over here, they flopped on the floor. So in terms of your antecedent behavior consequence, the antecedent to the flopping on the floor would be you saying, come over here. The B behavior would be the flopping on the floor. And the consequence would be whatever happens next. So as a therapist, did you go over to the client? Did you say, oh, you know, why did you do that? Stand up. Did you give them the toy? Whatever the consequence is, you would write that down. So in terms of data taking, you could do ABC data because this can later inform potential behavior interventions. But even then, I would say you can kind of focus this more on the second week rather than the first, just because as we kind of already went over, their behavior may not be typical or average behavior during those first couple of weeks. But yes, as I said, I hope this was valuable to you in some way and that you enjoyed this episode. And I really hope it doesn't take me another couple of months to get the next one out. I'm really excited about this little series, this blueprint. And yes, let me know if you had any kind of takeaway messages that you uh, learned from this episode. And I look forward to connecting with you in an upcoming one. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. While it can take several hours to create with the scripting, recording and editing involved, it only takes a minute to rate, review and subscribe. These things help the podcast out so much and I'd be so grateful if you could do any one of them. With that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to connecting with you in an upcoming episode.